Ben, ooh, episode number two. Yeah, I'm Ben, and uh, it's a pleasure to have all you back. And I, I, uh, I'm enjoying this. Let's let's do it. Yeah, we're um kind of jumping the schedule a little bit, and we're trying to get in an extra an extra episode because we had planned to come back and talk to Dustin uh, about what was going on in Out of the Abyss. Um, but then you and I both participated in a uh, gaming event at our favorite local game store this weekend. Yes, the Iron GM. So now we're back to kind of talk about what we both experienced. That I played it as a GM. I competed, and Ben, you were there as a player. Sort of interesting to think about, right? Like uh, competitive role playing. It's kind of it's kind of odd, right? But it's, it was it, definitely an interesting experience. It's sort of counterintuitive in the extent that. Um, the opening paragraph of every role playing book you've like ever read is like is like it's not about competition. The competition is just everybody wins when you all have fun and bloody all that stuff. And then you spend so much time like battling with like power gamers and you know like uh, min maxers and stuff, trying to get across this point that there is no competition. And then for you know one day they just throw that all out the window and it's like oh, it's, it's a competition now. Now it's a competition. Yeah, uh, certainly it was for your side. I guess for my side, I just got a chance to play in some cool games, you know? Yeah, and it looked it looked really good. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. We'll get to it. What else have you been up to this week? Well, I got my copy of Lamentations of the Flame Princess. I think we mentioned last week that we were uh, going to be doing a live play podcast of uh, Lamentations. So I uh, received my copy uh, as an yeah, early you're birthday welcome. present. Yes, you're welcome, you. by the way. Uh, it, was, uh, it was definitely appreciated. Um, and, uh, you know, the book is gorgeous. I've, uh, been reading it this week. Um, I really enjoy the layout of the book. Uh, I feel like there's no wasted space. Uh, the art is gorgeous and really evocative of a type of game I would love to be in. Um, so I'm excited. I really am. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, uh, have some insights that I think I'll, I'll hold back for another episode where we talk more about it. Yeah. I mean, um, we're doing a character creation for that next week. So um, I'm thinking it'd be cool if we got together and did another extra episode. Okay. And we're like, oh my god, let's talk about Lamentations. Be- yeah, absolutely. Uh, because people don't know about Lamentations. It's like the it's the OSR game that's kind of under the table right now, or under the radar rather. People just don't know about it. Yeah, I certainly hadn't heard it heard about it until you uh, uh, familiarized me with it. Um, but I think it's uh, definitely. Uh, Love at first sight. So, well, I, I wouldn't have heard about it if it wasn't for the um, Instagram community that's essentially surrounded around it. I mean, it's definitely a word of mouth game that you that you find out about from people who are like hardcore role players. Like you don't you don't hear like kind of like oh you know this is like my first game kind of guys. They don't they don't know about Lamentations, but you, the guys who are like committed to like the life know about Lamentations. Yeah, um, I remember you telling me about this. I'm I'm not necessarily familiar with that community, but I'm, I know you've told me about like how open it is with people writing their own supplements and uh, 
how some of the supplements then get adopted and uh, as different settings in the rule set, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that really attracts me to the um, to the OSR community in general is is there's this incredible like DIY spirit about the entire thing that I just absolutely love. Um, on this end, I haven't I have outside of the Iron Gym, I haven't got to do a lot of gaming this week, and I haven't uh, really even been able to prep for our Out of the Abyss session. That's Uh-oh. oh, I know, I know. So tomorrow I'm going to prep for Out of the Abyss. Uh, we play Out of the Abyss again on Sunday. But for the most part, I've just been working on the edit from last week's episode, which is coming along pretty well, I think. And um, the it's logo. It's modest. You're also working on the logo, yes. Oh, I'm working on the logo. And That's it looks really sweet. I well, can't wait for everybody to see it. Well, I'm happy that you're happy with it. You know, uh, as, a, as, a, as a tortured artist, I insist on torturing myself. I think I'm kind of like, I, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. But um, that's almost done. We'll have it ready to go so we can put it up on the, you know, little image so you can know who we are and whatnot. And then, you know, uh, I'm thinking that we might try and see if we can get some T-shirts. You know, for at the very least, our friends and our Instagram followers who are interested in such a thing. The logo is definitely cool enough that T-shirts would be a really sweet thing to have. Well, I, I would wear it. I would wear it too. Well, then we'll make at least two. How about that? Okay, that sounds great. That? All right, so um, into like the meat of the of the of the episode, Iron GM. So, the owner of the local game store, her name is Patty. She hit me up a few weeks back to do this Iron GM thing, and um, I I have a hard time saying no to Patty because I really like her. She's, you know, she's been kind of like our fairy godmother who's like sort of like gaming store raised us for like decades now and someone we've definitely all known for decades and grew up like sort of as an institution in a in a very parental gaming sense yeah it's true i mean she's she's guided a lot of people through through their childhoods trying like like with these games and she's always been there for us and game depot where we were shot predominantly um does a lot of good good events and i like to jeff to them as much as I can, because I've certainly like benefited from that, so I like to do what I can to help. Um, I was a little bit bummed out that more of my GM slash storyteller friends were not on board. I did really push like a lot of people. Oh, I wasn't aware that you had been you've been hitting a bunch of people up. Oh no, I, was, I knew you hit up Adam, but I didn't I, think anybody else. No, I hit up I hit up Adam, and who else did I hit up? I hit up Amanda, I guess. I try. Oh, and then I definitely. Oh, okay. I definitely was up his ass to get in there, but um, you know. He didn't. He didn't want to do it. So uh, that's life. So I'm not gonna lie, man. Like my understanding of what the r- the rules were for this thing was like very sketchy. Like going in, I I knew that it was like competitive GMing. I knew that we were gonna get a randomly assigned table, that we had to bid a format that we wanted, and then like meaning a system and a campaign setting essentially, uh, and if and that there had to be like a unanimous vote by the table up or down on whether or not you'd be playing that or if, if, if you got, got downvoted then you were going to do either uh, 5, D&D 5 or Pathfinder and you know I didn't have any more Pathfinder books my Pathfinder books were all gone so I was like well I can always fall back on D&D 5 whatever but I kind of like um, hemmed and hawed a little bit about what system I wanted to present and you encouraged me a great deal to run um, World of Darkness yeah I think it's a system at this point that uh, especially with a lot of the younger crowd aren't, aren't really familiar with I mean you can't really buy their books in stores anymore. It's all like print-on-demand stuff, and and uh, I think that uh, you know it was it, a. It's a system that that you're incredibly familiar with, uh, which for something like this I think is very useful. And and uh, I also thought too, and this was sort of my think that going into it was that 
character creation in there is actually quite easy to understand. Yeah, and that was very appealing to me, definitely, is the character creation. I thought it was like, oh, this would be a cinch. Um, and then I also kind of thought, as much as World of Darkness has been kind of like out of the public eye for a few years, I definitely kind of thought like, oh, well, yeah, but people still know it and people still understand it. I didn't think I'd have to really like explain a whole lot of it. And that ended up being wrong. There were a bunch of misconceptions I had going interesting. into this. Interesting. I hadn't heard this yet. That's, that's there interesting. There were a number of misconceptions I had going in. So, um, like, what else did I think? Oh, yeah, I also heard there's going to be a bunch of prize support. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm going to get the prizes, whatever. You know, I don't really care. Um, I ended up being a fat bag of loot. I, I never, dude, I, did you see that pile? I saw the pile. It there was, was a fat a, bag of loot. Huge pile, huge pile of uh hardcover books, hardcover books. I mean, that's just, I mean, that is just so sweet, so golden. Um, so then like, I don't know. Uh, the night before, I mean, I didn't really have a lot of chance to prep with working on the podcast, working on Out of the Abyss. I didn't have a lot of chance to prep. I kind of like, I kind of threw this thing together the night before, and um, I did a lot of prep for it on the Friday before the event, and I had been kind of twisting my head around trying to figure out like what the story was I wanted to run and finally in the 11th hour I kind of was like oh you know what um I have this plot for a novel that I had started writing back when I was living in Los Angeles and I had spent over the past two or three years I had like made three or four or five drafts of the first up to maybe a quarter of this thing and I always kind of got to this point where I um, or I just put it aside because I just didn't, I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't really like what the characters were doing. As a writer, you get to this certain point where you want your characters to be behaving in what you consider to be a natural way. You don't want them to feel like marionettes that you're just kind of like pulling their strings. And every single time at roughly the same point in the narrative, I felt like the characters just were kind of like, I, I was like shoving things down their throats. Like, like they weren't behaving, quote-unquote, naturally, you know? And um, so what I wanted, it, it was, it's a vaguely kind of World of Darkness premise. It would have been very easy to run as World of Darkness. I had never used it as a game or written it as a game or published it as a game, so it still fit the criterion for what I was allowed to use. So I essentially wrote down a bunch of those, like, uh, NPC names and some of the locations and stuff from that, like, what at that point was, like, a, a novel outline, and I took it with me to uh, Iron GM. And literally, that morning, on the on the way to the GM thing, I was like, I had to get character sheets. So I was like, I was like driving to Staples, and was like, I was like, you know what, man? I think I I don't even know if I'm gonna do this thing. I think I might. Really? Like I kid you not, man. It was like it was like it was like ten in the morning, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna call Patty and tell her I can't make it. Go back to bed, you know. Um, ah, yes, the I old uh, laziness syndrome. Yeah, we're kind of like I don't know. I, Is this gonna be worth it? I don't even know if it was laziness syndrome. It was just kind of like this, like depressive kind of like uh, enemy that like lives in your head at all times, and yeah. it's just kind of like nothing's worth doing, you know. So. I mean, I did. I definitely did not like arrive on the scene full of piss and vinegar, you know. And in, in fact, I was told to show up at ten thirty. And when I got there, I got there at ten twenty-five, and they were already doing a GM meeting. Like, they, like the, everybody else was there, and they were already. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, everybody except for the guy who ended up being the storyteller in our game, or GM, DM, whatever. No, no, he was there. Oh, was he in your game? Okay, I thought yeah, he, he was up late. there. 
No, no, no. That was the guy in the other the one table oh, over. Okay, yeah, yeah. The guy who was yours, he was there. And uh, so the moderator, whose name is also Ben, starts um, telling us the rules. And at this point, I'm just like, oh, holy shit. Like, the rules are, like, way more in-depth than I had originally been led to believe. Like, for instance, there was this there's this one hour of silence. I, mean, I understood that there was going to be, like, 10 to 15 minutes where I wasn't allowed to communicate with the players. And I thought that was a bit odd. But then it turns out, oh, no, that's that's an hour. And in that hour, that's when you're supposed to be taking the notes to write your game, all right? And now, when we, we you, you know, we Ben and I went to high school together, and um, in high school we we're both members of the speech and debate team, which is I, mean, I know the nerdiest fucking thing <laughs> that like two people can do is be in the speech and debate team. Uh, but there, I was like the I, I did this, I, I I participated in a challenge. I don't know how even how to say this. Called impromptu speaking. Oh, okay, yes, sure. And um, it was the impromptu speeches. I remember that was one of the things you could always do. Yeah, and it's, it's, it was supposed to be like the easy one or whatever. But it's all about like on your feet thinking, where it's just like you have to give a speech. I on have a vague memory of this. Didn't you have some topic about like Leonard Skinner or something? Oh, dude, I had so many because you had to do so many rounds. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, I like, just remember the Leonard Skinner one for some reason. So I did this in high school, and I was pretty good at it. I like placed in it, and I really feel like that kind of training has always really helped me with my GMing. You know, that just that improvi- improvisational thinking, you know, thinking on your feet. So I was like, oh, you know, an hour to, like, essentially conform the outline to what I subsequently learned was, oh, you're going to get three little themes. And these themes, these motifs have to show up. Yeah, it was sort of reminiscent. I mean, the, the, the idea, I guess, was very reminiscent of the actual show Iron Chef, right? Where they yeah. have, like, secret ingredients that are going to have to sort of uh, be involved and be prominent in the food that's created. And uh, that no one knows going into the into the episode what it's going to be, and it could be something like you know really weird or something pretty standard. Uh, for this, it was it was uh, three topics that had to be included in your story that you were telling, and they should be you know featured somewhat prominently. Yeah, it was um, the three words were uh, dragon, deluge, and diary. And I'm like, oh well, shit, you know, I got like an hour to like fucking work that in while I'm not talking to the players. And like they, like they're making their characters. I'm, wor- I'm just, I'm like, whatever, that's not gonna be a problem. And then like, all of a sudden, it comes to my attention, like, well, you know, you're not gonna be able to communicate with them while they're making their characters. I'm At like, least not verbally. Not verbally. They're like, oh, he's, you can, you can dance around and gesticulate and all this kind of crap, but you can't talk. And I'm like. Well, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not at this point. I'm like praying to the sweet Lord Jesus that like, I get people who know what the fucking world of darkness is. You know what I'm saying? And did any of them have any uh, experience with the world of darkness? Zero, absolutely zero experience with the world of darkness. Like I, uh, I bid my. There's this whole kind of thing. I don't know if it's worth getting into, but they kind of like run you out there on like a like a little cattle herd kind of thing, and they introduce you. And they, you know, the moderator Ben was being really bombastic and like really trying to get people amped up, and, and that was actually kind of fun. It was kind of fun because the way they introduced people was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, like uh, to be totally honest, I'm like I'm an introvert by nature, and I just you know I was all I, I kind of wanted to do something a bit more demure, where I like you know you know spoke in a hushed tone, like this is this is the world of darkness, and I'd really like to run for you. But instead, it's like you gotta get you gotta get up on stage and make it like a world world wrestling. You know what I'm saying? You gotta like hold the book in the air and you gotta turn yourself into a character right away. Um, so I pitched World of Darkness to my table, and they they bought it, 
They did. But then immediately I had this quandary where it's like, I'm not allowed to fucking talk to them, but I have to guide them through character creation. And I had like three, I think they were three high schoolers. And then one guy who I assumed was also a high schooler, but then later on it turned out he was in college. And I thought they were all friends, but then it just turned out three of them were friends. And then one of them was just, he was like a random guy. And, um, so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I had this notepad and I'm just like furiously writing notes as like how to write the game or how to, how to play the game. Because, they're all familiar with video games, and they're all familiar with um, fantasy games, but they don't know how to do World of Darkness at all. Like, they don't know how to create a dice pool, you know, and I have to, like, teach them using, like, pantomime and through writing paragraphs how to create a dice pool, you know? Yeah, there aren't too many games, I guess, that use that I- anymore, right? It's like that and Shadowrun are the only two that come up to mind right now. I think there's some little little games that do that, but, like, the big the big games are, are mainly roll one, one die and add a modifier type games, for the most part, to my knowledge, yeah. you know? Because I think it used to be, like, Star Wars, and the old version of Star Wars, I think, was a dice pool D6 game. And, and with the West End one? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, I never played that. But um, dating myself again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I was getting kind of like I wasn't getting frustrated. I was just like really like happy at that point that I had um, prepped this game in a very kind of light way. Um, also, I didn't have any D and D like ready in my head. I mean, I was like so. I mean, if they so had, if they don't take the pitch, then you're like, oh man. Well, okay. Here's 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 my thing. I was thinking about just because I had this fairly detailed outline for the WAD game that I might just run that only with D&D shit. You know what I'm saying? Where I take exactly the same stuff and I'm like, oh, but now you're just a ranger and you're a fighter and you're doing exactly what you've been doing in the WAD game, only like you're in a fantasy world. I mean, just just reskin it is what I'm trying to say in in the video game sense. I just reskin it as being fantasy. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that that probably would have would have been fine too. Uh, the, the story would have been good. Yeah, right. Um, so the that process where you're like teaching the characters of the players, you're teaching the players how to make characters and how to play, while not speaking, was intensely challenging. And that was that was definitely that's definitely something that like if you're going to do one of these events, I would definitely recommend that you think about before you show up to the event. Be prepared for this, right? Yeah, I I definitely have some insights on that on the player side, which I'll get to after after uh, we talk more about what it was like as a storyteller. Sure, um, sure. It, it <laughs> yeah, uh, you need to get a handle on that as going into that. So I mean, like, I sit down and he, they call time on the character creation. I sit down and it's just nice to talk again. And I was like, all right, so let's start playing. And they had a few kind of like like questions that they had about like character creation. And um, we kind of ironed those things out really quick. A lot of it was like, well, what kind of guns can I have? And I was, like, I was like, they're very young. And I was like, oh, you can just have whatever guns you want. I don't really give a shit. Because the the the, the game that I'm running is kind of this like noir that was taking place. It was it was it was easily run as a World of Darkness game, but it really just has like the slightest sliver of Requiem Vampire in it. Okay, um, they're all ghouls, and. They all have a, a, this, a same vampiric master, and I didn't bother getting into clans or covenants or any of that kind of shit, which I think was one of the things that made it really interesting to watch as a game because they didn't have any I, like overarching idea of, of a metagame. 
you yeah. know it was it was just it was it was a bit more realistic because it was it was it was it was they had they were ignorant they could know? approach the story of what they saw in front of them exactly which is how you know your character would in that circumstance so it was kind of like a a classic la noir story it takes place in la and um, it's about these kind of like loser characters. They're like they're at the bottom of a criminal food chain, and they work for this vampire. And this vampire has like some kind of like turf tensions with this other vampire that like lives um, south of the downtown LA um, and controls like what, what in LA they call the Southland. Uh, so these guys are told like, oh, you need to go down into Long Beach, which need to be violating this other vampire's territory. You need to go down there and you need to like do an armored truck heist. And the, the armored truck is full of the resources of my adversary, but I care nothing for the resources. It's cash it's cash money. I'm I'm flush for cash money. I I don't I don't need to steal his trinkets, but I do wish to deprive him of them. So you're going to be given enough explosives to demolish this car. And I just need you to go do it, right? And when I sat them down, um, I had the NPC character that, like, pitches this to them, like, really emphasize the, like, don't steal any of that money, no skimming that money, you know? Um, to really make them, to really emphasize this kind of, there's always going to be a guy who says, like, Oh, well, what if I do? What <laughs> yes. if I do the opposite of what the NPC told me to do? So I was so so making sure that that idea was at least floating in somebody's head. Now, before the game had begun, I knew when I was prepping this thing the night before, what really occurred to me was is what makes World of Darkness games tick, what makes them more than just like kind of like postmodern grim gun battles set in a slimy world is that the characters care about something, right? And because this was a one-shot, I had no way of infusing meaning into the game unless it was at the character creation's point, the point of character creation. I couldn't rely on, like, building yeah. up a sense of... I think a lot of that tension, that sort of, like, uh, attraction comes through, like, repeated role-playing, right? Like exactly. You, your character forms attachments to things, and when... When those things are in danger, then you have to sort of make some hard decisions. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. So what I did with this one is I, I gave them the pitch where I'm like, you guys are all, you guys are all essentially blood addicts in the thrall of vampiric society, and you trade blood like drugs. So you're criminal drug addicts who trade blood like drugs. Now, you either love vampire society for your role in it, or you hate vampire society for your role in it. And then I had been told to expect up to six players, so I wrote six motivations for love and six motivations for hate. And I told them all, you have to choose your love or hate, right? And I had, had six and six, and just in case they all chose love or they all chose hate, right? As it turned out, I had a table of four, you know, so I didn't need six of anything. But I had two that chose love and two that chose hate. And I wrote these motivations down, right, for each one. So they randomly drew a motivation for their character. And what I did for creating those was I just thought about, like, typical resentments that, like, a person would have. Like, um, uh, uh, resentments towards either, like, their social status or resentments towards their place of work. It sounds really good, actually. It sounds like you took, you took, uh, uh, and you, you really sort of, it, it guided them, not in necessarily, like, the dots they put on the paper, but really in 
the creation of what really is the character, who they are, what they want to do, what they what they care about. Um, and I think that was probably very important to your success at this event. It ended up being the thing that made that game because, like, we didn't end up playing Natures and Demeanors because I was going to have them go through the V20 book and pull Natures and Demeanors. Um, and I didn't have time for that, and I didn't want to explain to them, like, oh, well, here's a system from a different game that I'm tacking onto this one, and here's how it works, all, like, on paper. I didn't want to do that. Um, and we didn't really end up doing anything with Virtue and Vice, uh, because I'm not going to lie, we largely overlooked willpower and the uses of willpower in the game. Um, what everything kind of came down to in terms of role-playing was this love versus hate mechanic. And, like, I wrote different stuff on there, like, um, like on love, I would write something like, oh, vampires have given me the kind of life I always wanted, um, and someday they're going to make me one of them. So I love them. Right. Okay. And then on there, I'd have a hate card that would be kind of like similar, but the reverse, which is like, oh, they said I was going to become one of them, but they keep passing me over and I keep staying down here on the bottom. Like I, a slave. I, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, so I hate them. You know what I'm okay. saying? And then I pass these out. They, they randomly draw them. And that gave them, even if their character creation, if, if their character concept was kind of flimsy, which, because they had all been given the same prompt, which is like, oh, you're playing a low level criminal then they had this one thing that they could do, this one anchor. How, how did they react to that initially? Oh, the they they loved it. Okay. They loved it. I had a guy who pulled one, and he was like, and he read his, he's like, badass. Like, he's like, he's just, he, he hated, <laughs> nice. he pulled the hate one, and he was, you could tell. I mean, he he ended up being the character, like, who was, was hyper-violent. And at first, I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to just, he's going to be hard to please, and he's just going to, tear through everything that I do he's just gonna start like um he's just gonna be like a, the hot knife through butter everything that I put in front of him he's just gonna blow away we've had a lot of experience with hyperviolent characters over the years but let me tell you man when you're running an LA noir you pretty much need one of these guys because this guy <laughs> ended up making so many scenes by portraying really? his like Michael Madsen-esque hyperviolence. I mean, he was okay. I mean, like all the other characters would be like, like this is the plan, and he'd be like, uh huh, and then he just starts executing people, <laughs> and they'd be like, and they'd be like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, ah, I didn't like the way he looked at me or something. And it was just, I mean, he was it was really good. It was, I mean, it really essentially the starkness of their of their situation and how and, and as they became more desperate he became more violent and it just it just it was just it was it was like watching way of the gun to be the movie that film way of the gun i mean he was really good wow as, as a counterpoint there's this other guy who was playing kind of like the face of the group and he was kind of like more like a you could you could just close your eyes and picture him wearing like a a black blazer and like a black you know like kind of like like a David Caruso outfit or something and he was always like trying to keep things under control. He had pulled a love card, and he was always trying to keep things under control, do this thing right. You know, it was it was it was, it was Logan versus Cyclops. You know what I'm saying? It was <laughs> it was it was it was, it was that classic sure. uh, tension, and it just made the game. It just made the game. So. Uh, you know, like the loyal soldiers that they are, they just they're gonna go along with the plot that I've given them. Like, okay, we're gonna blow up the car, and um, they go along. And they meet some some kind of like I made some kind of quirky ish kind of like L.A. noir characters from interact with in the meantime, like their boss, and then the guy who gets the explosives from the guy who they 
who's who's driving the armored car and they're kind of like coordinating with him to like you know the timing of it all and um they go down there and there's one scene where the psychopath character his character's name is rick um he's being played by a guy named john and he he wants to he wants to start plundering the money and so that was when I first really started feeling like, oh, this is great. Like, okay, this is great. Like, oh, there's gonna. So he definitely ran with the uh, ran with the uh, plot that you had sort of like implanted in his head. He, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like he uh, it, that that was really where they started role playing. You know, where they weren't worried about dice and pools and stuff, and they were just like, oh, like I won't take the money. Why should why shouldn't I get some? And no, we gotta do this the right way. And so I had really high hopes at that point. They go ahead with the. The, the heist, and of course, because this is a noir, the heist goes wrong, but not super wrong. Or not as well as they were hoping. To be totally honest, it was still within the constraints of what they had like planned, you know? And then this character, Rick, he just goes off and he just starts killing. He just starts he just starts <laughs> walking around this like forty four Magnum just like killing and, and shooting and they're and, and, and they and they don't know what to do, right? So they're like, Well, we're just gonna blow up the truck. And they blow it up and instead of it kind of like raining money you know, there's like these like pieces of metal like falling out of the air. You know, the night before they had had this dream about this like sleeping torpor's vampire. And this is where I worked in the dragon plot thing. Like I had given this guy dragon tattoos on like his forearms and he had them crossed over his chest like he was dead. So I have them make some intelligence and some occult rules or something, and they come to the conclusion that it might it's possible that there was like a sepulcher in the back of that truck and not actually a bunch of money. You okay. Know, or the, the, an elaborate coffin of some kind, right? And um, then they get a call from one of the characters who the characters who had supplied them the um, the the explosives, and the the guy's like, "Hey, man, you know you shouldn't have taken that job. Um, you know the job I took is that I have to killing up the assassins now. So I like you guys. I'm giving you professional courtesy of like a five minute head start." Um, via con Dios, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then at that point in like classic like L.A. noir style, they start freaking out, you know, and they like they're already all like kind of screwed up from this like this botched heist, and they they went to a um to a restaurant to regroup, and I were they trying to escape the city? What were they trying to do? No, they just wanted a, a chance to talk about it, and they didn't know that they were being watched. Like I had been making rolls, and they were being like they were being tailed by the other group of uh, the second group of assassins. So while they're like in this Mexican restaurant trying to figure out what to do with themselves, the they're being surrounded and they leave the restaurant and there's this opposing gang and then a big gun battle in the parking lot, which I which I was happy to give them because there was it was very obvious that these the younger players in particular wanted like a visceral like gun battle. And so I gave them a visceral gun battle and um knowing how lethal like wad can be it's within the constraints of a one session thing i i really made it i made the villains lethal enough to be scary but squishy enough that it wasn't like so it wasn't totally overbearing yeah exactly i didn't want to kill anybody i didn't nothing like that um they took care of these guys pretty easily <laughs> and then we had like the second scene that was like the classic la noir scene where that like they rendered one guy unconscious one guy gets rendered unconscious and so because to, to accentuate the deluge theme, I had it like earlier in the game. I had it start to rain softly, and then like as the tension and keeps building, it starts raining harder and harder and harder throughout the game. And um, 
so they're in this parking lot and the the guy Rick he like walks over to um to the one guy who's unconscious and he's like I'm just gonna start beating on him I'm as I'm describing it I'm like okay you like you like pick him up by his shirt and you're like pummeling his face with your gun and you're like trying to get him to talk and just like the imagery to me was like it was it was like something you'd see in like a like a post Tarantino crime movie sure absolutely you know it really it really worked for me I mean the 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 the, the desperation the savagery that they were descending into very quickly. Uh, and at that point, they'd taken a bunch of shotgun rounds. <laughs> I mean, it was so, 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 like, there was this great moment where this kid, uh, John, who's playing Rick, uh, they, 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 they leave the restaurant and they go to somewhere to, to get kind of like to quote unquote heal up. <laughs> and like one of the, 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 the other guy, Mateo, who's like the voice of reason character, has a medical background. And so he's like, they're in a park and he's like pulling buckshot out of him. And he, and, 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 and Rick goes, Rick goes, Oh, so he's healing me, right? I'm like, oh yeah. He's like sewing you back together. He goes, okay, can I erase these now? And he starts going to erase his <laughs> wounds. I'm like, no, no. You're gonna be keeping those on your sheet for like the rest of the game. Like the, the this this game does not like have a scope big enough to deal with the healing of that. And so this to me was where, as writing this as a novel, is where everything had kind of gone wrong because every time I had written this thing, I kind of forced the characters to open up the armored car and see what was inside and maybe steal from themselves yeah and they, they discover the vampire and then they and then that creates a bunch of problems but it always felt very artificial at that point and then when they were when the, when the player characters were in the park they start having the conversations that i had always been having in my head which is like why don't the characters just leave the city and so they were all, they all basically were sitting there. They call, try calling their contacts, and their contacts are all like burning them. You know what I'm saying? And because um, the, the word's out, you guys are assassins. You killed a vampire. You can't be trusted. You're dead. You know, lose my number, all this shit. And um, I was like, I was like, fuck, man. You know, these guys are doing a better job with like the characters than I was. I mean, they have. They have more faith in the characters' voices than I did when I was writing the characters on my own. You know, I had, I had this like GM kind of like I'm gonna impose when I, when I'm when I'm running a game. I've learned enough about running a game at this point in my life. I can step back and have faith in what you guys are doing and my ability to rise to that and to improvise with that and to roll with that. But when I'm just sitting in front of the typewriter. I still have that like grandiose like I am the narrator kind of shit where I just am like I'm like no you're gonna do the thing that I'm gonna make you do so I'll, every time I had written this fucking thing I had made them stay in the city and it had just never felt right so eventually so these guys they all come to this conclusion like okay well we're going to we're getting the fuck out of town like like on some level they don't really know that we're alive yet they don't know that we're not dead anyway they have a window to escape. Yeah, they, they, our masters don't have the kind of institutional control to hunt us immediately. So we have a these couple are all, hours. These are all things they're going over as they're... Exactly. Oh, wow, these are all good. These are all yeah, the thoughts that they're having. And they're like, let's just go. Let's just go. And, they're like, and the, they did have the one moment where they're like, we are all addicts to vampire blood. We, where are we going to get any more of it? And then they were like, well, who cares? We'll figure that out. And so they all drive out into the desert. Now, at this point, I'm very happy with them because they did that. But on the other hand, I'm like, fuck, this game's almost over and I have no climax. <laughs> I'm like, in every like action movie that you ever see where there's like a there's a double cross or something, there's a moment where they call up somebody 
and they go like, I'm still alive, bitch, and I'm coming for you. I'm payback. Sure. And these guys just bypassed that. I, and I was betting on them doing this. Okay. So I had no retort for the end. And I still hadn't worked in the word diary yet. So they drive out into the desert, and I describe one of these kind of like run-down like motels, you know? And they all kind of like, you know, shower up and they go to bed. And then, thankfully, thank God, the guy who's playing Mateo, this guy's Tyler, he's playing Mateo. The face of the group guy. The face. He um he says, I'm going to take the first watch, right? So they all they all narrate that they drop essentially a blood point of, of what I'm calling, I, I call it a talon, a talon of blood. And they all get blood high and go to bed, except for Mateo who just sits there riding his high. So I narrated to him that he, like, essentially has this, like, mystical encounter with, like, the vampire boss where he kind of, like, psychically projects himself into Mateo's head. And he's like, oh, man, dude, you're really fucking up, you know. I'm, like, very disappointed in you, you know. You need to, like, get right with Jesus. You need to bring these guys back and face face what you're owed because you've been such a good servant, but... The thing that I need now from my good servant is to is to finish this job and die. And somewhere in there, like I use the words like "I'll remember you well" or something. And the guy who's playing Mateo, like him, like he grabs onto that and he's like, "Oh, well, that's really important to me. Be remembered well." So he he had bought a sap during like character <laughs> creation. <laughs> as his only weapon and so he just walks from character to character and he saps them all (laughs) and he like drags their unconscious bodies down he takes the psychopath guy and he puts him in the trunk puts the other two in the car and then he starts driving back to la and i have this this moment where like the vampire visits him and he's like the vampire it's as though the vampire is riding the passenger seat and he's like gal you're doing very well you know this is this is what i want you to do you're doing very well you're my you're my loyal servant, and so he's happy. So I narrate the sun coming up, and then the apparition disappears, and then the other two characters wake up, and they're like, "What the fuck are we doing here? You know, you're driving us back to our deaths." He's like, "No, we got no. It's gonna be okay. We gotta get right. We gotta fucking do this shit right." And then the classic like world of darkness, like the clash of ideas, the clash of motivations, uh. That inevitably seems to lead to player versus player conflict, you know, occurs. Sure. Because when when I was pre- proposing this as the as the apparition, I, my whole thought was like, well, he's gonna try and convince them or something. There's gonna be a conversation, and while they're having the conversation, I'll essentially have some time to think about what the next thing I'm gonna do is to wrap this awful thing up, right? And um, so then they get in this big confrontation in the car about it. Like one guy, they're like they, they 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 establish a marching order of like who's sitting in what chairs, right? And the guy's like, I'm directly behind Mateo. I get out my knife, I like put it to his throat, <laughs> oh, right? And I'm like, Jesus. So Mateo just, like, I mean, this guy Tyler just like cool as all hell. He goes, I just floor it. I just take that car up to 120, and I'm like, now what? You know? And he like, and he like, t- he's like driving the car with one hand, and he like pulls out his gun. That he'd like deprived from the other guy, and he like pushes it like, like uh. So he's pointing back at the other girl, and then she starts trying to grapple his hand. So he's driving the car with one hand. And they're having this big thing back and forth. They're all in character talking, all in character about, well, are we gonna die? Are we gonna live? Are we gonna serve? Are we gonna like rebel? I mean, it's the essence of what World Absolutely. of Darkness is. It's the, it's exactly what World of Darkness is. 
Meanwhile, they're getting ready to call time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I've got like minutes to fucking wrap this thing up, and I'm like, oh, okay, so you're getting to L.A. and like you're getting, getting some traffic, and then like that makes the struggle bigger. And I'm making them roll dice. I'm trying to make them roll dice to keep from flipping the car, you know, because I'm thinking like this is my out. Like if they flip the car, then I can just say that they all die. So finally. Miko, the guy with the knife, he just goes, I just slash his throat. It's like, he just, like, I mean, they're, they're pleading with this guy, Tyler. The guy who plays playing Rick is, is, is pleading with Tyler. He's like, he's like, dude, I, I don't know you very well. I really like you. I, I really want to play. I really enjoyed playing with you, but I will kill your character. I will kill your character, man. <laughs> and so the other guy, Miko, he slashes his throat, and I'm describing his blood like, 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 falling down his chest. I'm like, I'll give you one action. What's your final action before you die? And he's like, he's like, I just, I just turn my car like right into the embankment. I just, I just turn it as hard <laughs> as I can into the embankment. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, so, you know, you guys are going 120 miles an hour. You hit the concrete. Like, you guys who do, who were doing all this grappling, so you took off your seatbelts. You're ejected through the windshield. You die on impact. You know, um, Rick, who's in the trunk, like every bone in your body shatters and you like fall unconscious. Like, so, so as the car burns, you're consumed by the fire, but you're like, you know, you're not awake for it. And then I say to Mateo Tyler, I say like, like you like are sitting there in like the flaming wreckage of the car and you like kind of like look up and you look to your left and you see the apparition of your vampiric master and he's standing there next to another vampire and this vampire has this big book and like he says like see that he is remembered right and they so he's like writing down your name and like and 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 and, and the guy's looking at his like <laughs> and and then he dies and then that's game dude wow that's game and i mean and i could not have been fucking happier with that ending i mean remember the ending of way of the gun where oh every, yeah everybody absolutely dies? absolutely and then they like limp off kind of like the few stragglers limp off yeah and i like, like like drive which is a great movie and like it's like it ends in this way where i you know i guess what's his name I guess at this point, I, I always thought that the end of Drive was very kind of ambiguous. It's kind of like Shane, where it's like, does he live? Yeah, does he, he live or die? But I guess if you read the book, he does live. There's 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 a sequel book. Oh, but, okay, I but you know, aware. like 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 because um, I always assumed he died. Yeah, right. It seems a lot like Shane, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But um, Shane. But, <laughs> but uh, but all the gangsters have essentially consumed each other in this whirlwind of violence. Like nobody gets anything because everybody was grabbing the middle and they created that story all on their own. They just did it. You know what I'm saying? They just reached for it. And I was just like, I mean, I was just like so proud of them. I was like so happy for them. A bunch of guys who were like into video games and fantasy gaming and had never done world of darkness created essentially like, it sounds like an awesome story. A quintessential crime vampire game. Yeah. You know, it was, it, I mean, I couldn't have been happier. I really couldn't have been happier. And uh, from the results, I know that they couldn't have been happier either. Well, this is what I hear, you know, I mean, because then they took me aside and I had to like, I was famished. So I like went over to McDonald's and I like crushed a, crushed a dr- disgusting burger and then I came <laughs> back and then they started reading the, the results and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. I won. <coughs> What's, what a trip. That was a, uh, you know, and I had, I had talked to your players, I think, uh, during one of the breaks, because um, I was curious what, how they were enjoying it, and every single one of them seemed super into it, and they loved it. Well, I'm happy to hear it. I mean, I loved it. I can't get over it. I, ca- I came out of that thing so high on World of Darkness that I was like, 
I have wanted so bad because they all gave me their emails. I have wanted so bad to just like write them all and be like, you know what? Like maybe once a month we'll just meet and let's do a world of darkness like crime game. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty cool. They're very young guys, so I probably want to do it in the store. I don't want you know. I'm I'm an I'm an older guy now, and I like hang out with teenagers. It seems a little weird, but like on some level, I really wanted to cultivate that gaming. You know, to cult. I mean, my gaming was cultivated by people who are older than me. You know, yes. Like I couldn't. I didn't discover the world of darkness. Like I walked into a fucking game store and like picked up a vampire book twenty years ago and was like, "This is for me." I had seen them. I had always been curious about them, but it was another gamer that put the first one in my hand. And that like tradition of passing on the games that we love to other players is just so important, you know. Especially since fucking Onyx Path isn't gonna put its stuff in the stores where yeah, it can be seen, you know. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand how they can capture new gamers not doing that. Well, I think that they have this idea that it's all that that the internet is the new vector for communication about these things, and I think largely they're they're right. I mean, they they have a point about this. They're not they're not wrong about the idea, but there is a certain type of viral idea that cannot be replicated from walking past something and seeing it a hundred times and picking it up and flipping through it and being like, this is amazing. And what is so crazy to me is that I have to said, I have said this a million times. I'll say it till my voice gets raw, but Onyx Path is coming out with the single best iterations of the games ever. Their version of Vampire is the best version of Vampire. Their version version of Requiem is the best version of Requiem. You should see the new art for the new Ghouls book, the the Ghouls 20th anniversary book that's coming out. It is unbelievable the direction that they're taking these games in, and people don't know about them. Anyway, that's my little that's my little two minute rant critique. Yeah, um, I uh, I also took part in the IMGM. Only I took part on the uh, player side. Um, I, I think I, I showed up maybe about 15 minutes before it was going to start, start at 11. Um, and it was very haphazard. They just wanted to sort of put us in, uh, at any table where we didn't know anyone. It was the idea is to meet people and to sort of play with people we've never played with. So I, uh, sat down at the back table and, um, some people sat down shortly after I did. And, uh, there were, you know, a bunch of people I didn't know, a lot younger people, um, I got the feeling that everybody that was playing with me was sort of like, you know, early twenties. Um, Did you? Because I got the feeling like we were you were going to be playing with some teenagers. I think that that kid who was running for you, I think he was a teenager. Uh, he, if he was a teenager, then he, because he claimed that he had a certain level of experience with Dungeons and Dragons that would have dated him. Cool. If he was a teenager, then he would have been playing when he was like. Maybe, you know, in fourth grade or third grade. Oh, well, shit. I guess, man, he's probably just aging really well then. Yeah. Um, by yeah, the way, the guy that he mentions, means. I remember his name, the GM, was was Donovan. Um, I thought this was sort of interesting, the whole bid process system. So, you know, after after we sit down, um, they they introduce all of the people who are going to be GMing, DMing, storytelling, what, what you have you. I mm-hmm. think uh, for this point, I'll just call it uh, GMing. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know... Uh, they rolled off and certain uh, one for each GM and that person would go to that corresponding table. And the first question they'd ask if they knew anybody at the table, if they gamed with anybody at the table, um, if they hadn't, then uh, that, that would be their assigned table. 
uh, which, you know, is important because, you know, obviously if, if Brendan ends up at my table, then that can't happen. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Um, we know each other way too well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I had gone into this hoping that um, not only was I was going to get to play with people who I um, didn't necessarily know, but that, you know, maybe also I could uh, experiment with a new system, something I'd never tried before. And um, there was uh, there was some sweet sweet stuff that I hadn't actually tried before. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys had pitched uh, Tremulous, right? The the chronic horror game. Yeah, and that game, just based on the cover, it looked great. I mean, it just looked really stark and minimalist. And yeah, and from the sounds of what happened in his game, I mean, I think that everybody in his in his game also ended up in a quandary that was created by one of the characters. Really? Too. Yeah, I think um, you know, like much of the chronic horror games, they they. They, you know, they play some sort of like an investigative entity there um, that is sort of like delving into the mysteries of, you know, what are the greater beings and the, the magic and all these sort of things. And, and I think that they awoke something. <laughs> One of the players, I, I got the feeling I didn't know, but I got the feeling it was almost intentionally woke something he shouldn't have <laughs> awoken and um, caused like a party wipe, essentially. The mm, whole, yeah. I, I think like the in, in, in his terms, I think the world was actually destroyed by a clothonic <laughs> being. Um, Cabin in the woods kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so but there was that game. There was uh, I don't remember the name of it, but there was the uh, sort of 50s sci fi pulp game. I think it's called Cosmic Patrol. Cosmic Patrol. Yeah, um, they so so I felt I felt kind of uh, it was kind of uh, sad to see some of these guys pitch these games and then the players were like I wanted to play D and D I wanted to play like Pathfinder and uh, I think he was initially um, denied his game but I think they reconsidered and allowed him to play it uh, because his his pitch was was great talking about like like ray guns and how like pulpy it was just gonna be like super like off the cuff fun. Yeah, I think he ended up being the second place guy, and he just seemed incredibly enthusiastic about that game. After the after all was said and done, I was talking to him about it, and he had only just bought that game on Thursday. Wow! Then he ran it for the first time on Friday, and then he GM'd it on Saturday for Iron GM and uh, almost won. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had some time where I could sit around and watch watch what was uh, going on on all the other tables. Um, during my game and and i could certainly see that there were definitely people who were super into their games and um not just yours but his also seemed super into it and the chthonic guys see the tremulous games seemed like they were all super into it as well um and uh, i think around i think right after you were called donovan was the next guy to come up and he he had not had a bid he he only wanted to play pathfinder so that's what we ended up with um which you know i was i was a little disappointed in um I don't have a lot of experience in Pathfinder, though. I've only played, like, you know, mm, a little that's bit. That's true. Yeah, you kind of relate to the um, Council of Thieves game, weren't you? Yeah. I'm, but, I mean, I have a lot of experience in a 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons. A, a lot. lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all the o- OGL stuff that was around. Sure. Um, various, like, spinoff games. Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah, Wheel of Time, the role-playing game. Um, certainly. Uh, yeah, some Star Wars um star wars yeah, yeah there was some star wars yeah we did that um iron kingdom okay yeah which there was actually someone who bid the new iron kingdom game which i was you know wouldn't have would have been happy to try me too homie i was really envious i was like shit i would love to have just roll some dice on that yeah uh but you know i mean this just means that that we'll save that for another time mm-hmm. um so as a player donovan you know we knew who he was 
His three words to us, because you got three words that he could say before he couldn't say anything else. Yeah. And his, uh, which by the way, what were your three words? I forgot about the three words. I didn't even use them. I just did everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. His, his words were just a simple pitch for the game. And I think he was trying to guide like character creation with it. And the, the idea for the game was Ocean's Eleven Heist. So thinking about that, we're sort of doing like some sort of like a, a heist in a fantastical setting. Um, you know, I figured we'd all make characters that would sort of like fill various roles and that kind of thing. Because, you know, you've got like you got like the faces of the group. You've sure. got the guys who are like sort of the technical know-how. Then you have the guys that like, you know, have the physical abilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I jumped into my role right away. I was like, I'm just going to because because you're so limited in the hour that you have for character creation for a game like Pathfinder, which has like a million rule supplements, which everybody had access to because uh, Paizo is, you know, they, they've published so much about it. Um, and the guy was super open with it. It was like, anything you want to play, you can play. Wow. He said that? He like, said that. He's, he's like, he said anything. That. He said that. He's like, he's like he, he wrote it down for us because he couldn't talk. Well, right. Yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. But he's like, anything you want to play, you can play. And he, uh, you just have to be level five. That's insane. Yeah, with a no, one I mean, hour. I mean, you exactly. could spend you could spend an entire game session. I mean, like if I if I was running Pathfinder tomorrow and we did we did an entire session of character creation, I wouldn't even say that. I'm not even sure I could I could read all the feats in an hour that exist in Pathfinder, let alone like you know all the weird character classes, all of the like races. I mean, there's and because it's you know it, like like all the OGL games, there's monster races you could play if you were so inclined. I mean, there's it just gets you know really the 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 depth is so great. That you really need some guiding light to sort of like, to to sort of like uh, bring everybody together in that hour. And I think this was probably my biggest um, criticism for, for 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 this game was that like we didn't have any of that, and uh, our character creation drug on. There was a point in which um, I think that like when the hour was over, I looked mm-hmm. up and I think you had just started to play really quickly after that. Other people had started to play, and we weren't even close. Um, and, and that was sort of disheartening, uh, on some level. I mean, I, uh, I had, uh, finished my character, but no one else had much experience with it. Oh, oh so that's they, so painful. And, and, and people were playing more involved things. I mean, I decided to play something really simple, uh, because I felt like in the hour it would, you know, that would really help, uh, bring us all together quickly. Um, but there was like, you know, people with spells that they had to comb through and like figure out what they were doing with it. And dude, two words, magic items. Oh yeah, no, and, and I mean fifth level magic items oh. in Pathfinder, which is just like incredibly numbers oriented. That was uh, that was something else. We all got sixteen thousand gold to buy magic items with. No, uh, well, I mean, okay, that at least he did that. He did that, but still, I mean, the the list of how do you even approach that? Where you're like, what is available for me? I don't know, like, what I could buy. Which cost is this? Because because the cost don't even explain very well sometimes, you know. Well, I mean, because that's like essentially based on three point five. Exactly. That had that outrageous system for like buying a spell scroll, where it's like, well, it's a first level spell cast as a sixth level caster. Ah, you know, oh my god. So he he he. I think he saw that problem right off the bat, and so he decided that he was while he was while he was writing on a story, he wrote out a quick like guide for like you know simple combat magic items like you know magic weapons magic armor the pluses they could have and how much it would cost um you know some very light items like that so that we could all sort of like get started faster um which you know was probably very helpful because if that hadn't happened and if people want to really customize their magic items uh we could have been there for a lot longer so you could have spent the entire day doing that oh yeah absolutely i, I mean i think that i i seem to remember times where we would 
we would create level like one characters and it would take like you know a full session of gaming almost for everybody to have a character done in that game so this isn't uh this isn't masa menos i mean yeah i think i think first level is pretty easy I'll probably do first level in an hour to 90 minutes on Pathfinder because it's, it's very strippo. But fifth level, my God. Sure, sure. And, and and I think I had the most experience in the 3-5 Pathfinder-ish kind of systems. So at least I could sort of like try and guide like a little bit and sort of mm-hmm. explain what was going on on the character sheet, which helped a little bit. But uh, but still, it was, it was quite brutal um, in that sense. But, you know... That that certainly didn't limit the game, um, in in that it was terrible after that. I mean, he, I, we certainly recovered and yeah, had I mean, a how fun was the time game afterwards. Once it started. What, yeah, was, what um, was the plot like? I mean, how, so how? so yeah, it was. Uh, he he described it as the ocean's love and heist, and um, the idea was we were a uh, group of adventurers who had sort of like existed on the wrong side of the law, and had and had uh, you know I think I, interesting enough the idea of the heist must have been sort of a universal concept between you and he and uh we were we were contracted I think it's really good it's yeah. really good for that format no absolutely we were contracted to um to do a job that involved like uh raiding an airship casino of its safe and um murdering uh uh, uh one of the hosts of the post of the party that was going to be happening on that very same airship mm-hmm. um you know, and and uh, we I had like the airship casino. It's very Eberron, and it, ma- it, it, it I think it's Im- immediately characterful. Yeah, it w- definitely was, and um, it certainly provided for some fun, uh, fun adventures in the sense that, you know, we tried to scale the outside of the airship at a certain point, and that was uh, quite brutal. I will say that I was uh, very close to death at that point, um, and <laughs> uh, they had this, they had this thing right because th- th- they were doing this this for charity. And they allowed you to purchase um, the idea of these rerolls if you wanted to. For charity, mm-hmm. you could donate money, and um, you could uh, use these during the game to reroll a die. So I had uh, purchased some rerolls because it was for charity, and I thought, hey, why not? And I thought I wasn't going to use them, but then there was like a, definitely a roll where like my character was about to like fall to his death, and I was like, okay, I'll reroll this because I don't want to sit out at this point. You know, this kind of they kind of suck. Um, so. Anyway, we'd been contracted by this, like, uh, by this uh, yeah. Who does criminal this? Organization. This is like a totally like evil mission. Like, what, what, what? Who's I, I, who, who's sanctioning the assassination? Is it like a vampire or something? Like, give uh, something we 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 here. did. We were we were informed that um, the person who contracted the mission was through an intermediary, and we had no idea who that person was. Obviously, the exi- the organization that we're a part of is on the darker side, certainly mm-hmm. because we're willing to take such missions. So, so this was just kind of like this was like essentially part of the, like the pitch in a sense, like like that was a foregone conclusion. Like the, you didn't role play the. Oh no, we role played. We role played the pitch that where we role played where he was gonna he was contracting us. Oh okay. Um, but you know it was a foregone conclusion that we were already members of this sort of criminal organization. Sure, sure. So when you approach it from that sense, um, you know I think that all that matter are details at that point. Like you know what's the risk? What's the money worth? Um, what's the you know like. Well, do we have a way out? Like, what's going on? We're in the middle of the air. Um, so, uh, I think uh, I I had I I had designed a character that was supposed to be sort of like uh, one of the guys was going to be doing a lot of the physical stunts. You know, I was going to be the guy that was going to be like you know doing some acrobatics, doing some like craziness to like get us into the vault. Um, 
and uh, I, I I think that some of the people who we we had sort of like a face character who was asking some questions of the guy, and then I think we all sort of like chimed in at one point just to make sure that that you know we were all not being like hung out to dry by this organization, you know, like you, you kill the guy in the middle of the air. You steal the lockbox for the organization, and then you're stuck in the middle of the air with... Yeah. Well, with they're going to the, want their box, so they must have had an escape route for you guys. Sure, but it could have been one of those things where they're like, give us the box and we'll get you out of here. You know, it's like... Yeah. Uh, Throw me yeah. the idol. Toss me the idol. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, we decided that what we do is we would infiltrate as partygoers. Sure. Now, the party itself was hosted by... Uh, it's, this is a fantasy world, and... They have, like, you know, uh, monsters that can sort of interact with humans. Um, the party was actually hosted by a dragon, which was, you know, yeah, it was a, 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 a dragon who was fairly prominent in, like, uh, the community there. Was the dragon in dragon form or was it polymorphed into a It was polymorphed into a humanoid form, but everybody I knew it was dragon. I love that shit. Yeah, I know. It was definitely cool. And so that's uh, a chro- is that a chromatic dragon then? or is It It was a chromatic dragon. Yes. Okay. Um, so I g- forget the color offhand. I think it might have been a uh, greenish. I know that our target. So our target was the son of this prominent prominent community member. So we were we were going to kill a young dragon. Uh, that mm. was that was the uh, that was the goal. Um, and he, I believe, was a green chromatic dragon. Um, I remember that only because he had like a poison breath. So. That's um, a black dragon. Then. Is the black dragon this? Bla- I thought black dragon was oh, acid black. A, uh, yeah, you're probably. I, I don't. I don't know. I could be totally wrong here. Uh, I apologize if I'm screwing this up. Smoke, smoke, bro. Uh, whatever. Man. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we we decide we're going to be infiltrating this as party goers, um, and we have and we're told you know by this organization that whatever gear we want is going to be provided for us. So uh, whatever non magical gear we can just requisition and have it. So I take the opportunity and I request I, re- I requisition some like some supplies that would help and like if we need to do some like you know some climbing on this airship or some other stuff um i also t- decide that i want some poisons i don't i'm not using use, i don't know how to use them but i just decide that like you know worst case scenario if we have to do something maybe we can poison this guy and we'll just sort of fumble into it if we have to um maybe one of the other characters has the capability to use it uh, turns out no one did <laughs> um so i requisitioned them uh you know and i don't nothing even really happened with them um, I also requisitioned some alchemical fire in the hopes that, like, maybe we need a distraction. We can, uh, when we're trying to get off the ship. Alchemical fire is always just like the GM's bane and the, <laughs> the player's delight. Well, it wasn't actually used, so um, I was I was definitely approaching this more from the the angle like, you know, you watch the Ocean's Eleven movies and everybody's so like so smooth and they they get away scot free they even know that they're coming for them in these movies you know they're like they're yeah. like oh these guys are coming to rip us off and they still get away scot free and they can't even like they can't find even how they're doing it and so that was the way i approached it i was like i was like we want to go in there like super smooth uh the ki- the the young dragon he's this like total uh womanizer we can like we can like honey trap him with one of the female characters uh lure him away and then like throw him off the ship after we like slit his throat <laughs> you know i mean I, this is the sort of thing i was approaching and um and and then i was like we can then like stealthily sneak around the ship and like get down and and uh and get to the vault and take what we need to take and get out of here no one the wiser you know all they can find maybe are some of the leftover clothes that we've discarded yeah that yeah. was that was in my head what i was sure. thinking as we were as we were beginning this um, that was not what happened. No, it never, <laughs> never is. It never is what happened. It never is. Um, 
uh, we we realized that the timeline that we're actually spending on the ship is super long. It's like uh, like you know, I want to say like twelve hours we're spending on this airship, this okay. like debauch party that's going to be going on for like twelve hours. So you can't do everything too early because if they like you know go and they discover that the lockbox is stolen, then bad things are going to happen. Mm. So the party was originally take place on the upper decks of this sh- airship. Uh, but then there was a giant deluge of a rainstorm, and everything was moved below decks into the, casi- the casino proper. So now we have another dragon, another deluge. Another dragon, another deluge. And uh, we enter the party, and uh, one of the female characters starts flirting with the, uh, the, uh, the target immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely managed to attract him, which is great. Uh, but we, we put that off until we feel like there's a time to actually do the deed and get away with it. So we decide that we're, we're going to sort of like me- meander and, and figure out what we can. And, and there's some agents already aboard this ship for us that we can contact and get some information. So we make our contacts and we get some maps and we get some like, some like, uh, idea of what's going down in this ship, like where, where the dad's going to be when he's planning on leaving so we can do this without like incurring the wrath of a giant dragon. Caper stuff. You're doing yeah. caper stuff. Exactly. And uh, when the time is right, we decide that we are going to head towards the bows of the ship. And uh, we're going to do it like, um, you know, like a uh, physical style where we're like, I think I think the plan is to climb out a hatch Use uh use the one of the use the physical skilled player myself mm-hmm. and um crawl down to like a lower level of the ship climb down tie off the rope and then bring everybody down. <laughs> okay. It does not work that way. No, no, no. And why would it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a terrible plan. Well, I, I come to find out later, of course, that the that one of the characters actually has the fly spell. Oh, of course. And had he actually just used the fly spell. We could have just flown down and uh, been none the wiser. Instead, I was dangling on a rope that I tied around myself <laughs> to a candelabra that had like been pulled from the oh ceiling. Oh my god! I heard that. I heard that when that was happening. I heard like, and the candelabra becomes detached from the wall. Everybody yeah. in the, at your table is like, ah! Yeah, uh, there was definitely like a bunch of characters trying to pull the rope to save me. Meanwhile, I was trying to climb up the rope and and. Uh, I uh, finally managed to swing myself into position where I, I you know, n- using rerolls that I had purchased, swing myself <laughs> into position on the lower level. How many rerolls did you have to spend, man? Uh, I spent two, I think. I think I'd purchased two, and uh, one of the other guys had purchased one. And um, I think I used both of them on this just to sort of, you know, as as is, as his wonderful D20 game, you know, sometimes you're just rolling a bunch of fives and fours and twos. It's nothing you do. Happens, man. It does. Law it of definitely averages. happens. Law of averages. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, anyway, we end up on the bows of the ship separated because only one guy's able to come down the rope before it all goes haywire. Sure. Um, and uh, I sort of figure at this point that he and I sort of have the skills at, now that we're in the sort of vault area to make it through. He's a he's a thief character. I'm I'm I have plenty of physical abilities. We can definitely like make it work. Sure. The other party decides that they're just going to bully they were down to us. So all of the like all of the like quiet like, you know, uh moves that we've made are totally worthless at this point. And um they end up in combat with some guards, alerting everybody. Um at were least Were they bored? Were the other players bored, do you think? 
or did they, or are they frustrated? Why why did they why did they take that? I think I think he was trying to give. It kind of sucks because we did split, right? But he was trying to give them time to do what they wanted to do, and I think that they just were sort of they. It wasn't that they were bored; they just didn't realize what it is they could do instead. So they decided to approach it that way. I think that's mm. that's honestly the way I think they they felt, um, because you know at that point they could have. Uh, those guys could have taken upon themselves to to uh, you know maybe lure away the character that we're trying to kill. Um, sure. And uh, you know done the done the other half of the deed, and we could have all like met up in the middle and gotten away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a certain kind of like three dimensional thinking that you sort of learn how to do as a role player. And I think that's one of the things that when people are talking about the educational benefits of role playing, they they're always espousing is this this way to like examine a situation from many different angles. Yeah, um, but that didn't happen. So uh, instead, we ended up in a giant, um, muddled combat where we were in different rooms and different things was happening, and um, uh, eventually, because we of course have tripped alarms at this point, and uh, I think that the 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 vault that we ended up approaching had this sort of like Indiana Jones like trap where you have to like do a weight swap to get like the item that you want that's yeah. on this pedestal. Um, yeah, which makes sense. I mean, I would have done the same thing. I was just yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so we get what we want, and uh, was it a diary? Uh, we didn't know yet. We were told that whatever was in that box, we couldn't open the box. We take whatever we wanted else in the vault. At this point, we were just trying to get out, so we weren't trying to sure. steal anything. Um, but, uh, but, but the but the vault, not to open what was in that little box, not mm-hmm. to take it, not to open it. Um, of course. We fumbled at one point, and there's a diary that comes out. Nice, yeah. And yeah, uh, classic. Yeah, right before we are confronted by the by the young young dragon that we were supposed to kill anyway. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And that's the final confrontation that happens in is in the vault room, where we uh, our our thief um, just like ridiculously like murders the dragon. Essentially, <laughs> he's just like he's like I got backstab, execute, <laughs> like you're done, you know, like. <laughs> I think the, the the rest of us were sort of like struggling Funny. to even do anything. Yeah, he's just like he's like murder hacha dead. <laughs> like, like I think at one point he had like three d eight. He rolled on like uh, sneak attack damage. It was like eight 3D seven seven. Eight? Yeah, Jesus, that's so hot. At oh, fifth I know. Level? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't I, I don't remember. I wasn't involved in in whatever like feats were made of maybe modified that or whatever. But but uh, it was definitely quite. Uh, Quite effective at murdering dragons, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we we murdered the dragon, then went back into the vault at this point because there's no point in being sneaky. Yeah. So we just like looted all the treasury, and like at that point there were some like magic items enabled us just to like exit the ship ourselves. Oh, okay. So. And then that was it. That was that was the that was the story. Um, like, and and it was fun. I had it, like it was very off the cuff and a lot. It and, sounds fun. It sounds yeah. like a cool game. I mean, to be totally honest, I like it. I, I like it. Oh no, it was I, I, I certainly enjoyed myself. Uh I you know, it it, it uh the, the like I said, my, my biggest criticism approaching that game was what happened during the character creation part. Um I feel that if you're gonna take a system that is so involved, like Pathfinder with making characters, that you should maybe show up with some pre generated outlines for characters. Well like, I mean this 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 kinda like leads into our next subject. Which okay. is like kind of like well, I mean, do we? Do you, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on like the grading scale, real quick. Just do you remember what was even on it? Because they made me leave the room. I mean, here what I remember of the grading scale was that it was um, pretty pretty simple. There were like a bunch of different. There were like like four different questions that had like a score essentially, 
and the scores had sort of like witty things written like like written next to them like yes they use the ingredients wonderfully you know or whatever mm. so um you know and 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 i think that like one of the questions was about the ingredients how they use them if they use them well or not another of the questions was about um like in a sense like how much you enjoyed it i think uh another one was just like a very basic question about like whether or not you thought that they were worthy of the title Iron GM mm-hmm. after this was over. Um, and they were all just like, circle the one that applies, right? So um, I, in that sense, I, I actually, the thing that I remember the most about the grading scale was actually what Patty told me about yours specifically. Mm-hmm. Your kids that played in your game were the only ones that actually wrote things in on those papers. So not only did they circle whatever they whatever it was, then they wrote comments about it. Oh man, they were <laughs> so they so they, they they really enjoyed what you uh, what you brought to the table. They were great guys, and and there was a female there too. But she, they were all great. They everybody there at that table. It was a very special table. It was a good group of it was a good group of gamers. Yeah, um, you know, and I think I think uh, you know once they tabulated all that, then it was just like prize delegation. You got the uh, Supremo Prize of, oh. of Champions. Oh, my God. It was like this. It, they did this round robin where it was like you just got to pick up a book off the table and then walk away. And I was just like, I was like, Ugh. I mean, it was like every book on there was like worth 50 bucks. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, I didn't actually see what, what was on the table completely because people had already started grabbing stuff. I know I saw that you got the Pathfinder book. I got the Pathfinder core because I, I kind of like stupidly a couple of years ago gave away my Pathfinder my Pathfinder collection. Like I, I gave away half of it and I sold the other half. And I've since really regretted it. If 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 I want to do Iron GM like in a bigger like in a con, then they don't allow you to do um, five. You can't do fifty. It has to be Pathfinder. Because, oh really? Yeah, the actual Iron GM thing is 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 like the the big the big competitions at cons are um, sponsored by Paizo. So, oh, um, interesting. Yeah, so you have to run Pathfinder as the default. So I, I, I needed it to brush up on my Pathfinder anyway, but I'd been, f- I'd been feeling this kind of ache, like I missed having it around. But I, at this point, the collections are so huge. There's like so many books at 50 bucks a pop. I just was like, Jesus, I don't really want to buy like $500, $1,000 of the books. So um, ha- having a uh, core book and the advanced player's guide just fall into my lap was such a boon. And of course- oh, you, you got both of them, huh? Yeah, both. Oh, because wow. Because um, we did one round robin, and I pulled a core book, and then I had my eye on either the advanced player's guide or there was ultimate equipment, and um, the guy who got second, Jim, like like what, I got when my, when my turn came around. Jim again. was the guy who did the uh, pulp space. Game. Yeah, he did Cosmic Patrol. Like uh, the moderator Ben, he just brought me the second book because I guess it was all that was left or whatever. I don't know. He goes, "This this is for you," and I like took it, and it was a Monster Manual f- five, and I already have it. I was like, huh, what am I going to do with this? And I was like thinking, well, I guess I'll give it to Brian for Christmas or something. And then, like, Jim, he walked up to me. He's holding an advanced player's guide. And he goes, trade ya. And I was like, done. I mean, it was, it, it was just, it was just oh, three nice. words, trade ya and done. So it, it, that worked out really well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they had, like, uh, some prizes for some players. Like, GMs could re- could reward players for doing some uh, some uh, great role-playing. There was some, some masks that they give out that were uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, um, got some mats. Yeah, I definitely mats. got one for my uh, hair-raising heroics of uh, nearly death. Yeah, and you know, I'm sh- and I, when, when when they were like, "Oh, the MVP of this table is Ben," I was like, "I, I mean, I knew it. I knew it before." It I was like, "As like it's." Yeah, I definitely brought some smiles to the table. There, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, 
you know, I, I think everybody had it fun. I remember one of the things I remember too was before we'd actually like sat down to play, I had um I'd been talking to the people at the table about their role playing experience and everybody had very limited role playing experience at this table. They were all younger. Yeah, that was like a theme at this thing. Yeah, the only thing they were familiar with was actually fifth edition, I think. Fifth edition, um, man, it's getting into people's brains. Oh yeah, it's no, it definitely is. There's a new crop of back. new crop of kids playing fifth edition. Yeah, man, yeah. I hate Onyx Path. Mm-hmm. Seize the moment. Fifth E yeah. is paving the way. Yeah. Um anyway, uh I had I'd been telling him I was hoping we would play a, you know something different that I had tried. And uh they really embraced that too with the Pathfinder because they hadn't actually played Pathfinder. And uh they seemed to have a blast. So So let me ask you, would you do this again? Would you do this next Absolutely. Year? No questions asked, I would do this again. Um Especially at like Game Depot, I I thought yeah. it was a wonderful environment for it. Um, you know, if it's at a convention, I have to sort of balance what else I want to do while there, and I as I, I I probably would do it even still there. Well, um, Phoenix Comic Con is coming up in I think July, and they okay. will th- there will be one of these there. Okay, and I will be competing this year. Oh, nice for sure, for sure, okay. definitely. Um, what you you said you had something that you wanted to to say to to those GMs out there who are thinking about competing in an event like this and what would your I think that uh first off the way if you if you decide to do a system when you bid a system um I think you want to bid very you need your bid to be appealing a you know I think uh that was one of the things that shocked me about the uh the pulp sci-fi game was that his his bid was so enthusiastic and so bombastic, I was shocked when people <laughs> rejected it. You know. Well, okay, I think that that was like a very specific situation because the people who initially rejected it were a father-son duo, and that son, I mean, he was like wearing like leather bracers, and he had like this like costume sword on his back. I mean, it, it was obvious that this was like father and son nerd time, okay. and that they had come down to the store to play D and D together as like a father and son. Okay. And so there, I the, so, so they, I think that they were kind of crestfallen that like they weren't going to get to play fantasy role playing as a family, and it's like so I understood their kind of recalcitrance to yeah that that was all something that sort of escaped me i just saw like the sort of result of that because I, I watched this pitch i was actually grading the pitches as they were going on and i was like that is a great pitch there's no way they like to die that one yeah and then they just <laughs> and then they were like no no sorry but i think that they felt bad about it and then like like open-minded gamers they they came around they wanted to play yeah and, and they and, seemed like they had a blast so yeah 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 they, they seem to have a great time with it and it makes me really want to look into that cosmic patrol yeah, I, I think that that's important. I also think that, um, like much like my experience here in this Pathfinder, uh, character creation should be guided as much as possible um, because you have such a limited time and people aren't, yeah. people aren't familiar with your system and you're not able to talk to them. This, this, is, this is my takeaway, okay? Because I'm going to do this again. Okay. And um, this is what I would tell any GM that wants to do it, which is, first of all, only bid one system. And then you're going to know what you're going to be falling back on. And then just take the time to make some pamphlets, man. Make some handouts. You know, especially for for, for the system that you are bidding, definitely, definitely. You know, you write, you, all you, you just can create a pamphlet handout and that, 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 that will walk somebody who's never played the game through it. This requires some work on the front end. But if you're a GM, you do work on the front end all the time anyway. This is that's part of that's part of the deal. And if you don't if, if you don't love doing work on the front end, then like it's almost kind of like what are you doing GMing? That's 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 half Absolutely. of the game. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think um, approaching it with an outline of a story helps. 
definitely. It definitely helps, um, which I think that it's clear that Donovan definitely had, and you had as well. Yeah, I know um, I had one. You know, and and uh, but but that character creation process, I can't get, I can't yeah. can't get back to that. Like you just need to you need to guide that. You need to it needs to be something because like let's say I was playing in that cosmic ray gun game. I don't know how how like involved character creation is. I imagine it's it, not very. It looks very rules light, but. Uh, but still, I think I think it's important just to really ease the game and how it flows that that's done. For when I go to Comic Con, my plan is to have for the fallback game, which will be Pathfinder. Okay. I'm gonna have all pre-made characters, and then the packet will not explain how to make a character. The packet will have a house homebrewed bidding system that I've created that will um, where people will place bids. You know what it's gonna be like? It's gonna be okay. like it's gonna be like fancy football. It's gonna be like fab. Oh, okay. Where it's like you have to bid a certain number of points, and those points, like if you use them up, then they're gone. But if you hold on to them, then they'll be useful in game for something. Oh, okay? nice. And so it's, it's it'll be an anonymous bid, and you're gonna have to bid your fab points essentially, and um, for for character classes. And if you bid, like like say I give you six points and you bid fucking six points to play the rogue and nobody else bid everybody else bid zero points then to play the rogue, then you lose all six of your points, but you get to play the rogue. You assured that you get to play the rogue, right? Okay. And then you'll have the statted out rogue the way I want the rogue to be you get to fill in an alignment, you get to fill in the name. Certainly. I mean I say guided, I don't think that like obviously the stuff that makes sure. the character the character yeah, but uh, no harm, no foul there. Exactly. I mean, they have a fucking hour to figure that shit yeah. out. You know, if they want, if they want to end up doing a trade or something, then they can. People can do trades, um, and then and then there will, and then in, there will be a prompt of like, well, these are who the characters are, and this is what ex- this is what you're doing. But I mean, like, like I mean, I think that's not until July that I have to do that. So I mean, I have plenty of time to put in that front end work, and that front end work, you know, at, at that point with using the kind of the the sort of intuitive thinking that just is cultivated by being in gym in general you should be able to run a fucking bomb ass game no matter what oh i the agree words are i agree and I, I i think i was sort of i was really hardened by the fact that it seemed like as a player i and i've tried my hand at, at telling stories and i'm not it's not my thing you know um but uh i was i was very heartened by the fact that it seemed like there were a lot of great stories happening uh you know in such a short amount of time Oh yeah, me too. I was really surprised by the enthusiasm for the um, event, and I will be sure to play at Game Depots next year. I will be at the con one, and um, I just—I mean, dude, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We are living in a time when role playing is 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 peaking again, and I'm so happy to be doing it now. It's the we—it's it's an embarrassment of riches. So, um, I mean, I, we're kind of running a little long on the tooth, so I guess it's time to kind of, like, wrap it up. Um, yeah, I was just wondering uh, about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we're just about done here. We got Out of the Abyss on Sunday. Yes, we do. Out of the Abyss, and then following that, Lamentations of the Flame Prince. That is correct. So, um, we'll play this w- this weekend, and then we're going to meet up next week with Dustin. We're going to have a talk with him about... Uh, about not just what's going on in Out of the Abyss, but about experience and advancement, which has become a hot-button issue within our gaming group in particular because of some radical suggestions on my part, and we will discuss those uh, next week. Sounds great. And then uh, after that, we got a character creation for Lamentations uh, that you're going to take part in, and that's for the actual play, and we'll kind of get a, a tester of what that is going to be like. Yeah, it'd be a good way to set up the actual play podcast. Indeed, indeed. 
All right, man. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us, look for us on uh, Instagram, uh, Full Metal RPG. You can also find us on Facebook, Full Metal RPG. And then more to come, we promise. Thank you very and much. And shirts. Guys. And shirts. Soon shirts. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you. You are listening to Abyssal Plains by Legion, used with permission.